Welcome to the Winer Shuffle, the Inverness Caledonian Thistle fan podcast. The podcast with as much presence as Martin Glancy in a packed penalty area and all the tact of Ian Black knocking on his manager's door. Reviews of the first podcast have called it pretty good and too long, so we aim to make this one shorter and pretty, pretty good. For the second episode, we take a look back at our League Cup group games and the league opener away to Dundee United. We ask if Tom Walsh's lovely hair is the highlight of the season so far, count down the minutes until the return of Sean Welsh and ask what the similarity is between Mark Ridgers and Diana Ross. And we're still going to pack 25 years worth of ICT references into an hour of wild conjecture and mild distraction. Without further ado, we crack on. There's it. Welcome one and all, I'm Andrew Moffat and in the studio for the second podcast we have a man who still has a poster of Andy Shinney in his bedroom wall, Andrew Sutherland, hello. Hiya, how you doing? Uh, a man who has promised at least one highbrow literary metaphor per pod, Andrew Young, hello. Hello. Uh, a man who once had a sausage thrown at him outside Tanadice, that would be myself. And joining us for the first time as a new addition to the podcast, a man who has never stalked any of the 2003-04 championship winning side and whom Stevie Hislop definitely doesn't have a restraining order against, Mr Stephen Riley. Never and hello. So, to start with, uh, thanks to everyone who listened to the first podcast. More than 650 of you downloaded it, which is about 600 more than we'd even expected. <laughs> uh, hopefully, there's not too much of a drop-off for the second episode, so, Riley, no pressure. Um, <laughs> we're we're going to kick off, though, with some much-needed positives. What we need are four positives. Two to cancel out the negatives of the League Cup and the loss at Tanadice, rather, and another two just to have two positives. Uh, so, Highland highlight today. I'm going to kick off with Sav. Um, well, as you say, there weren't really many highlights to, to go on, um, but I think a good bit of comedy in the game against Peterhead and the penalty shootout. Obviously, we had pretty much every single penalty scored until the, the last second, and in amongst the penalty shootout, we had um, Charlie Trafford having his penalty kick saved by the keeper who then um, started wandering off to kind of celebrate for a second before realising the ball was still in play and it kind of spun over and went into the net, much to the annoyance of a, a bunch of fishermen behind the goal. Really? Uh, for me, Tom Walsh, I think he has been our... Well, he'll, he'll be our most important player this season, I think. Yep. Uh, started the season well, lots of assists, lots of quality. Last couple of games, not so much, but yeah, for me, Tom Walsh, most yep. important player of the season so far for me. Mm. Yeah... I'm kind of thinking more about the future um, because, you know, that's obviously key to the club's, club's survival and it was really nice to see Roddy McGregor come on in the Wraith Rovers game and put in two absolutely gorgeous slide rule forward passes which set up really good chances for Doran and then Todorov. We haven't really seen that sort of vision from many players recently, you know, and while he may not be around Christie yet, at least it provides us some hope that he might be able to grow into the Liam Paulworth number 10 role that I think we're sorely lacking at the moment. Yeah. So some yeah. hope there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would just say the expectations, like before the Dundee United game, you know, I, I firmly believe that we actually could beat them. It sounds ridiculous to say now, but I did believe we could beat them. Those expectations before the game actually start is what, I, you know, that's what your season's built on really um, before they were swept away in a clinical display of of heading of a football by a man with a haircut of a simpleton. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the anticipation was pretty special, but so were the £2.50 pints in the troll in uh, at Tanadice. So we've played five games, not just one against Dundee United. Um, two wins, one draw, two losses, but it's always darkest before the dawn, is it not? Surely the this, these are early days to be overwhelm, overwhelmingly downbeat at this juncture, and there are some encouraging signs. Uh, 
what have you got in the way of life-affirming comments, Sav? Yeah, well, I think um, both um, Riley and Andrew um, made good points there about Walsh and McGregor looking quite positive. I think the, the only game we've actually looked at a good team is against Wraith Rovers, um, and that tends to be when we played with quite a lot of width. Both Doran and Walsh uh, got a lot of success getting behind the Wraith fullbacks and really stretching the play and getting a number of good crosses. And we've, we've looked pretty narrow on a lot of the games so far. Um, as a result, we have seemed to struggle to break teams down. But when we have played to our strengths, i.e. getting the ball to quite creative wide men like Doran and Walsh, we have looked a lot better. Um, mm-hmm. Hopefully we can try and do a bit more of that in games to come. No, I agree, I agree. I think we'll touch on these games later on, but the first couple of games, lots of wins, lots of attack and play, lots of space for the sort of forwards and midfielders to move in, but we need to do more of that this season. Use Doran, yeah. use Walsh a little bit, little yeah. bit more. Uh as, as I've said on the Ray Throwers game, what what did what do you have four assists? Uh, what Walsh got hat trick and then yeah, had a assists, wonderful four, four different goal scorers. Yeah, what wonderful Messi style run through about four or five Wraith players and just left them for dead. Um, yeah, he he was superb that day. Brilliant performance. Okay, um, Tom Walsh trickery, Keating's delivery, Matthias Machado, McGregor, Cameos, all coming up. You got no solo rubber bumpers. The League Cup group stages, essentially glorified friendlies or imperative to a club's season. A lot of clubs didn't have their full complement of players signed um, or available in mid to late July. Brecon manager, 45-year-old Barry Smith, had to play himself against Forfar. Dumbarton had, I think, only two outfield subs in another game, but obviously Peter Head seemed to do okay against ourselves in Dundee. So we'll kick off with Peterhead game. Um, nil-nil, nothing if not consistent from last season. Beginning the campaign with an old draw, given the relatively good results we had against Premier opposition in the friendlies, how much of a surprise was it that we didn't get the win here? Probably not too much of a surprise, um, really. Um, I don't know if maybe people were buoyed with unrealistic expectations after good performance in friendlies against uh, was it St Johnson and Aberdeen. Um, but... The, the actual game against Peterhead itself was just so reminiscent of last season. You know, we had a lot of the ball in the first half, but just really struggled to create anything significant of note. Yeah, I mean, one of the things about that is that um, the second half, I think Peterhead came out really fighting, didn't they? Yeah. And um, you notice that if you look at the stats, I know stats aren't exactly the best way of, you know, analysing the reality of a game, but actually far more fouls, I think we've got something like four times as many fouls against them as they had against us and that suggests a team that is not in control of a game and you would want your team, your your higher division team to be in control of the game yeah. against lower league opposition mm-hmm. and it seems that Peterhead come out, they press us and suddenly we're scared and we're chasing it, you know, and I think that's, that's a, a, you know, not a massive worry but if it continues then you think it is. Yeah, I mean, a similar thing happened at Dundee as well, of course. Yeah. So I think you know, if, if the BBC stats are right, um, you know, it's probably really got to go on, unfortunately. But I think Dundee only had about three or four fouls given against them, whereas we had about 17. So, um, yeah, as Andrew suggests, it doesn't seem like we're in control uh, a lot of the time for some of these games. Oh, that'd be Charlie Trafford. That'd be the main reason for that yeah, one. He's, uh, he's, he really has regressed, unfortunately. No, he's been back. Season. He's been back. I never thought he was a player, but he's been back a little bit. But... I said, I said earlier on before we started this is we, we, we seem like a new team which mm. is a bit worrying I mean we've got the spine of last year's team lost two players that we all know but we look like a new team which is worrying against a Peterhead team who were an established team last season Yeah, I mean I think we'll come back to the midfield thing but um, the one thing I will say 
in Travis defence at least is that I think he kind of grew into it uh, last season you know he became a more settled player with more game time so it might just be yeah. one of those situations we're very very early in the season at the yeah. moment you know so okay. maybe he just needs he needs a number of games which I, to get into it I mean sorry in regard to the PR game specifically I mean we were only really in that um, at the end of it all thanks to some great saves by, by Ridgers um, it was just a bit bit of a shame that unfortunately in the end that he sclaffed his penalty well wide of goal um, but you know if he hadn't pulled off some of the saves that he did we, we could easily have lost that game you know 3 or 4 nil. Um okay. and uh, I mean, there, there were a couple of chances for us um, Vincent and um, White had efforts uh, one of them clawed away by Fleming a truly stunning save similar to Mikey Fraser um, pulling off a great save against uh, Celtic and it was um, Venegar of Hesselink um, but yeah no, we, we were out of class for most yeah. of that game well on to the home the first home game of the season um, the first win of the season four goals four scorers attacking football a bit of positivity down the Longman uh, not a bad way to begin the season at home but only 1,000 fans actually at the game. Is a performance like that going to get bodies in the gates? Uh, yeah, you'd like to think so. I mean, winning 4-1 at home, um, you know, a lot of good attacking, positive play, um, some good goals, some good play. As I said it already, you know, Tom Walsh had a, a great game. Dorm was, um, you know, looked back to the kind of player he used to be. So, yeah, I mean, uh, you'd like to think some more people would uh, turn up on the back of a result like that. Yeah, I mean, one thing you want, uh, one thing that's worth pointing out rather about that game is the fact that a couple of the goals and a large number of the chances came from our wide players getting yep. beyond the 18-yard line, either stretching the last man to the you know the touchline or to the byline, and then cutting balls back across. You know that is something that we didn't see in Dundee United game, in the mm-hmm. Dundee United game, or in the Dundee game when there were far too many early diagonal balls. And it just shows us that if we could, we've got wide players that have got the confidence and the space to do that, then we'll create far more dangerous chances. I think that's why we've got two target men up front. I think there's no the logic there. He's got Todd off his back up to White at this point of the season. We must be playing high ball in here. That's what we want to do. And yeah, yeah the, the the gap from those games to the last couple of games has been massive. So there was one goal actually. The, the Wraith goal was maybe a little bit prophetic of what was to come in the Dundee United game. I did notice there was. I think five Cali players in the box yep. for the yep. goal, and there was only two Wraith players in the box. And there was someone there right back who I think was David Carson at the time was very very slow to close down and close down and allowed the cross to come in. Mm. And that's something against Dundee United that was we've seen that again. Dundee yeah, yeah, against Peterhead, uh, Car- Carson filled in, you know, relatively well at right back, but unfortunately he was his position positional sense seemed to kind of get away from him a couple of times. Uh, Peterhead got in behind him a couple of times and got one on one against uh, Donaldson. Um, and yeah. Happened a, happened a couple of times against Wraith um, so I mean he's, he's, he's going to take time to adapt and hopefully he comes good yeah um, so Cove um, Tuesday 23rd of July seems a while ago now 3-2 win uh, 2-1 down to Cove uh, at one point a lot of fans can maybe be forgiven for worrying but how have we how have we conceded two to a team that was in the Highland League last season when we got our first choice back four playing uh, and then then they turn it around was that just was that just blind luck or do we do we do we maybe lose or draw that game last season, Andrew? We possibly do because we turned it around and there was certainly maybe a sense of belief that, you know, was a residual effect of last season. One of the things I wanted to point out about it, and I think this is probably a strength uh, or, or, or to, to credit Robbo, is that we started with our third different combination in central midfield. We started with Carson and Vincent. Um, and previously, you know, we had kind of gone from, um, I can't remember what the first one was, was it um, Carson and Carson and Trafford, Trafford. And against yeah. Peterhead. And then yeah. we went to Trafford and Vincent, and this yeah. time we went Carson and Vincent. Rob was obviously going, he's not, 
he's not disrespecting the competition, but what he is doing is he's trying out his best combinations here. And I suppose one of the things that we do find from that is that, you know, he's trying to find his best team before we get into the really serious league business. On the other hand, the more negative side is I don't think any of us would believe that he has found that best midfield combination yet and that might still take a while to come through. Well he's injured isn't he? Sean Welsh is injured so. Yeah, yeah I know that yeah and I think I think we probably all agree that Sean Welsh is, is the major missing piece yeah, of glue. the jigsaw there. He's glue. But um, you know I, I actually I quite like the fact that he decided to change it again I think it's 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 not as important as league. Yeah I, I think yeah, um, yeah we, we did well in the end to win it I guess but we, we could easily have lost it that, that handball decision against uh, Cove looked a little bit harsh to me I think we might have gotten away with one there um, but I, I, another kind of theme that seems to have been emerging in some of the games so far is that McCart and Donaldson don't seem as organised as they were last season yeah. uh, McCart seemed to lose his man um, you know uh, um, for, for one of the goals uh, and Donaldson looked pretty shaky against Peterhead as well um, let's say ho- hopefully it all comes together soon yeah, uh, these, are, these are two of the best centre halves in the division last season so oh, yeah, yeah. you can only assume you know I know they do a lot of fitness in pre-season but I mean it's surprising yeah I mean, I, I'm, I'm, what I'm hoping is that if they, if they are going to have bad performances they get them out of their system in the League Cup and maybe earlier in the league and, and then we can kind of kick on from there that's yeah. certainly what I'm hoping for well, anyway we have had bad starts in previous seasons we'll talk about that a little bit later yeah. um, the last game in the group uh, 1-0 loss at Dundee we'll talk about the uh, Dundee league game coming up but um, ultimately uh, 1-0 loss at Dens we didn't do badly in the open stages Keatings did he did threaten, but you know we, Dundee were the better side over the piece. I think everybody everybody could see that. Yeah. Um, it was a worrying performance, but how much how much of that was down to the small squad that we've got playing four competitive games at this stage of the season in a space of thirteen games, thirteen days rather. I think that's an issue to some extent. Yeah, the the options that Robbo has to kind of vary and maybe go toe to toe in terms of formation with Dundee is is obviously an issue. Dundee started with a completely different formation. You know, three at the back, um, wing backs playing wide. The key difference though was in the midfield. Um, Dundee had an excellent young player, Finlay Robertson, who was able to sit and dictate and spread play around. Uh, that allowed Paul McGowan, who I think is a very talented player at this level, to basically um, run forward, open up play either by bringing um, wingers in or playing at the strikers or indeed take on our defenders there. And uh, with Robertson sort of pulling the strings, then we didn't really have any answer to that. However, we also didn't have anyone closing down and um, just really trying to stop him playing, which Dunfermline did a lot better two weeks later. So that's something we need to learn from. It felt a little like we were taken by surprise by him. I agree. I think midfield, we'll talk about United game coming up soon, but non-existent this time for me. I mean, I thought I thought it was a poor Dundee team. I wasn't that impressed by them. I think we made them a lot. I agree with Robertson's a good player, but we, we flattered them. I, th- I don't think they were that great. I think no chances, no service to the front man. I, f- I forgot half of midfield were playing, to be honest, so... I think um, it's a good point about Paul McGowan. He's got an absolutely atrocious haircut um, and really needs to do something. Just accept you're up there with Shankland. Just, 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 yeah, just shave, accept, shave it off. Yeah. Accept you're going bald. Just just get rid of the hair, mate. Um, he, he took up a really good position just in front of the other two Dundee centre midfielders. And as Andrew pointed out, he was he was kind of everywhere, you know, across the across the, the front of their midfield, and he was kind of playing in behind where Vincent and um, Trafford were, and, and none, neither of them seemed to know where he was a lot of the time. Um, and and it was just it was. For for the Dundee goal as well, it was it was kind of poor play from us to you know Vincent fell over and Trafford's just so slow to get back in. I mean he he looks 
he looks quite unfit actually Trafford I don't want to be seen to having a go at the guy because he did do a turn for us last season but it's it's, it's worrying at the minute to see how poor we are in midfield he's on his ankles all the time he's chasing himself yeah he's, yeah. he's very yeah. slow they, they've changed the three at the back for that game specifically though I'm pretty sure having sw- talked to a couple of Dundee fans that they played four at the back in the previous in the previous group games so they might have done but why, why, why do we not change tactically in that game when we could see it wasn't it wasn't going right we have played three at the back we played three at the back last season if if there is one criticism of Robbo and um, Ross mentioned it um, in in the previous pod, he he tends not to influence games too much from the bench, and it it does seem that our the some of our tactical changes seem to be you know um, swap your your wingers around, swap Dorn and Welsh onto the other flank, um, and then maybe you know go four four two instead of four two three one. Um, same so, yeah, stuff, isn't it every week? Yeah, um, and, and and that was something a few people said um, on, on social media. You know, maybe we're a bit too predictable. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you know, to to give him his credit, McPay, you know, he's you know, he's, he's out thought Robo here. Yeah, he possibly has. Although I was going to say that they stayed three at the back against Dunfermline. It didn't work for them, but it may just be that James McPay thought that four at the back wasn't working for them. Went three at the back, got very very lucky, and stuck with it. I don't know. I mean, I, I've not studied their games prior to that. You know, but um, we might be crediting him with some sort of tactical genius when, in fact, um, he just made a switch that worked for us. Plus the goalkeeper. We've got to look at the goalkeeper. Yeah, you have to. I'm a big fan of Rodgers, but yeah, he, he shouldn't. He shouldn't be losing that goal. No, and he, and he has held, held held his hands up. Sorry, he, he um, was so, yeah. he was excellent last season, though. Yeah, Best know, keeping after the having yeah. a bad start with us initially, mm-hmm. he was excellent last season. Yeah, um, so, um, regardless of the fact that we didn't qualify for the um, the third season in a row in, in the League Cup, I, I don't think we're supposed to. This is this is a competition. That, this is a competition for the big boys and the big boys alone. Even though they don't seem to care about it, looking back at the League Cup over the last three seasons, it's no surprise that eleven teams, primarily Premier sides, have qualified three times. I think they've taken thirty-three of the forty-eight spots over those three years, and I think four other teams have qualified twice, taking eight of the spots. So it's quite obvious that the the competition is hugely skewed in favour of um, the Premier League clubs and those Championship clubs with both large pockets and bigger squads. Would that be right, Andrew? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, it hadn't really occurred to me until I kind of looked at the Scottish Cup for comparison. And actually, in the last three years of the Scottish Cup, nine places, as opposed to three, have been taken by teams uh, out with the, t- the top two divisions. Wraith Overseas, Fife and Auchinleck uh, last year, Cove Rangers, Brora and Air United the year before that, and Air United, Clyde and East Fife the year before that. So three times as many places uh, taken by teams out with the top two in the Scottish in Cup Scottish. as in the League Cup. And whereas people might say, well, it's not the same competition, therefore why have the same format? The counter-argument to that is why have a format which, as you say, prejudices against those clubs that could really be yeah. doing with the money and also makes it more interesting and less of a cartel. Yeah. So. It's, well, the, fact, the fact is it's a national competition that offers little or no chance for smaller clubs to progress. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they'll, they'll throw a few a few crumbs everyone's way in the group stages. You might get a, you know, you might get a, a Hibs or a Hearts at your at your ground, but um, I think probably the biggest the biggest indictment is that um, of the forty eight places places available in the competition over the last three years, uh, only three have any have ever been taken by anyone out with the top two tiers. So that's twenty clubs uh, who have never qualified. Twenty <laughs> clubs. So we we might be one of the so called biggest uh, biggest of those clubs that haven't qualified. But there's obviously a bigger issue here, um, not for this podcast. But uh, anyway. Forget about the League Cup, the Diddy Cup, only an incredibly small club with an incredibly tiny mindset would celebrate winning a cup like that or or have a, a massive picture of your chairman painted <laughs> and, and put in a put in a put on a set of stairs somewhere in your 
in your Lego stadium. Uh, <laughs> so that is the League Cup. On to the Dundee United game. On to Nightmare at Tanadice Street Part 2. Uh, the title is accurate. A horrible burnt-faced man invades and destroys your dreams. Robbie Nielsen. He is quite ugly. Is he not? So. <laughs> Uh, I hadn't really thought of him that way, to be perfectly honest. Um, yeah, I, there really aren't too many uh, positives to take from this game at all. I think for me, well, my, my train got to Dundee in time and I was able to enjoy some lovely pints and trades. That really is about it. It really was just a, a really quite shambolic performance defensively. You know, three three carbon copy goals. You know, you, you know you, we, can't, we can't let a team score three relatively simple goals like that against us in one game. Um, you know, a simple cross, simple header, um, and Shanklin's not the biggest guy. So, uh, but he, he what one to give him his credit, his movement off the ball is really, really good. Uh, and he found, you know, um, he's, he's taken advantage of maybe McCart and Donaldson, maybe not quite being properly synced up yet this season, and he's finding bits of space um, to take advantage. Well, I know Robbie Nielsen too. Be happy with those comments. I'll pass on your regards to him. It's, uh, no, it's no problem. No, <laughs> he likes a suntan. I, I echo Sub's comments here. I think. The first goal, again, I'm not bashing the keeper, but you've got to look at the goalkeeper. I think that, that goal's avoidable if you go back to Ridgers coming out clearing his lines. Second goal that he scored, it's not even the cross. We're not closing crosses down. That's mm-hmm. the problem. It doesn't start from the header. It starts where Tremarco's about 10 yards off his man, gives him all space in the world. Cracking movement by Shanklin, but it's not even the goals, or the movement, the balls. It happens before then. We're not, we're not closing men down. And It was the crosses. It's crosses. Stopping the crosses in the box. Well, that's the, the, the first goal is is it's really simple. Yeah. Carson, he just switches off. I, I, right. Richard's got to come out clear of the ball. I don't, yeah. I, I don't know if you missed that, but it's Richard's ball every day. Yeah. I think what was really bad about the second goal is it, it just came right on the back of us getting equalised as well, and, and, and that really killed yeah. our kind of um, our yeah. momentum. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I almost want to turn this back to Andrew Moffat, award-winning um, or trophy-winning coach of a football team. But who's he? <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that I noticed, I mean, I think you, I agree with you absolutely that we need to stop the crosses coming in from the wide areas. But when they did come in, one thing that was um, it was Donaldson that lost him for the second and fourth. I thought mm. McCart that lost Shankland for the first and the third. Yep. Um, did we underestimate him by not making it one player's job to just pick him up and kind of say, no, Luke Shankland, X number of goals last season, here's your job, do not lose him, you're on him all the time. Or is that unrealistic? Was well, that last season scored one goal against us in all yeah. the games? Was well, that, six uh, games, one goal? It was five games. Yeah, he didn't yeah. play in apparently uh, the six one. And he got one goal in all the games. One, and, now just, and now he's yeah. got four and one against us. But I genuinely don't know. I mean, I, I'm possibly being really naive in saying that. You know, It might just be that his movement is so good that it's impossible to kind of say to one player, that's your job without actually completely disrupting the... You know the kind of formation that Robbo wants to play. You know, um, I don't think he's that mobile a striker though. I think he, he's, he's smart though. I mean, he picks his positions, but but you could say that we should play three at the back next time we play them. So you have one one guy marking him, you have another guy picking up the striker, and you have a spare man. But the fact is that we didn't need to do that against him last season. So mm-hmm. you know, is it is it him being particularly good? Is it him being a lot better than he was last season, or is it just deficiencies in our team at the moment? And that's you know just something we have to improve. A bit of both. I think United have changed their style from last season. They're playing like Air United did last season. Well, they're more attacking. They went, you went, they're more, they're you more went, direct. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They, they, they didn't do that last season. And he had the boys of Franco up front last season, who was a good player. They've changed to adapt to Shatland. Yeah. And 
Yeah, we, we, we never yeah. caught them. So. I mean, it helps that that guy, a pair, is it? Um, yeah, he's he, really yeah, good. Yeah. good player. You know, he seems to be able to play as a striker or actually come out wide. Mm. You know, he's like, incredibly versatile, you know. And McMullen, we obviously know about. Um, no neck. Came onto a game, no but, neck, yeah. um, but came onto a game last season. This is McMullen, who the Dundee United fans are complaining about online. Uh, he never crosses. Well, he seems to do pretty well against us. Yeah. He seems to do fantastically well against us. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we've talked yeah. enough about Dundee United. Let's talk more about let's talk, talk more about our team selection wise. Middle of the park, we had Carson and Trafford, uh, and we had Vincent on the bench. And Vincent's come on, and and he's he's improved the team, has he not? Yes, I mean I think uh, obviously Robbo sees them, and he's seen those different combinations we talked about in the four games preceding that. But Trafford and Carson seem to do broadly the same sort of job, which is to break up play, maybe to set to be more destroyers than to be creators. Vincent, you would think, out of all of them, is a player most likely to be a box-to-box type player who can pass, who can create, who can draw others in. So I was surprised by that, you know. Um, and you're right, Vincent, although in common with everyone else, seemed to be chasing the game from the moment he came on, did actually do more, I think, to create and try and um, get the ball out to our more attacking players. Yeah, I mean, uh, we, we mentioned him already. We mentioned him in the last pod as well. You know, we, we do miss Sean Welsh. We, we don't really have anyone to, you know, take the ball off off, off, um, off the centre-backs and kind of, you know, come forward with it. You know, v- Vincent and Trafford, when they're Greg, playing can well... I, can they're, I they're all... Greg Tanzi? <laughs> <laughs> We've got we've got uh, twenty three minutes without without me mentioning. Let no. it go. <laughs> yeah, let it go. No, I think I think when Welsh comes back, hopefully, what we, uh, maybe our strongest midfield will be you know kind of Vincent just sitting in front of the defence, just kind of so. hopefully breaking things up. Not maybe in a, in a Ross Draper style destroyer mode, but you know if he can just kind of get a foot and win, win, win the ball off him, um, obviously in players and get, give it to give it to Welsh. He, he he was really good last season, just kind of carrying the ball forward and linking with Doran, linking with Walsh, and you know trying to get some attacks in motion. And we're and we're missing that this season, I think. I'll give you an example. Remember Joe Chalmers, season one. Mm-hmm. Average, yeah. bang average. Sean yeah. Welsh comes in last season. Joe Chalmers is a superb player. That's, yeah. that's the difference here. Chalmers was rubbish the first season, great last season, but all down to a good talker. Sean Welsh isn't the most skillful player, but he's a talker. He's a winner. He can manage the whole. He doesn't give the ball away. No, but that's the thing. If, if we if he comes back, Vincent goes ahead of him. That's the pairing we need. But mm. it's more what he does off the ball. If you notice, Lloyd, he, he, he's a good man manager. So. Yeah, that's the difference to make for me. Okay, um, going forward, obviously we talked about Sean Welsh a lot, but um, Doran he looked a bit lost. Um, Vincent was the only central midfielder playing forward passes. Um, Welsh in and out of the game, you know, could we have done anything different there? I don't think any of the pa- well, Doran, for, Doran and Welsh for me were anonymous the whole match, but there was no balls going wide. Uh, they didn't look hungry for the ball either. I'm not, I'm not saying they were wanting the ball, but what I noticed when when we lost the goal, there's no talking. We mentioned this earlier. It just seemed like the body language last weekend was just non-existent. It was just, yeah. I think it, it was telling, certainly as far as I'm concerned, anyway, that our best two chances against United, especially in the second half, came when we actually got the ball down and we did try and work it wide. There were a couple of instances where we we did get the ball uh, down like the the left hand side, and and got a couple of not amazing crosses, but you know we kind of created a half chance, whereas we'd been really kind of you know completely stuffed out of the game until that point. Um, say say for our goal, um, and uh, you yes. know the, the and you, you could sense frustration in the fans that the, the constant long balls to White, who I do like, but he he does seem to struggle in the air at times to, to win ahead. I don't the know if he, I don't know if he jumps too early or jumps too late, but um, he he does struggle to win the ball in the air, and um, it, it wasn't really happening for us. And you could sense the frustration in the fans; they were getting really annoyed at these kind of aimless long balls being yeah, played forward. Yeah, 
we can't play four four two all season though. We have to be able to play four five one, whether it's setting out four five one or it's changing from four four two to four five one when you're trying to protect a lead. Now, when you're trying to protect a lead, yes, you could play Welsh, Vincent, Trafford, Carson, some semblance of that. But if you're trying to go forward, you know, we do have we do still have a, a Polworth shaped hole in mm. the team. Yeah, I mean, well, Andrew mentioned him earlier. Maybe Rory McGregor could be the man to, you yeah. know, the, the guy step up for that. Uh, one thing I would maybe like to see changed um, for uh, some of the games coming up, particularly against Dundee, um, is that if anyone saw the Dunfermline Dundee game, the three Dundee centre backs got bench pressed by uh, Nesbitt for pretty much the entire game and they were just getting ragdolled. Jo- Josh Meekins was just getting you know, turned inside out. Now, I don't think Jordan White's the guy to do that for us, unfortunately. He does work hard, but I don't. he's not got the pace, I don't think, to really chase um, and harry centre-backs from the ball. Someone who we've obviously signed recently, who I think could maybe do that, is Miles Story. Um, he has got a bit of pace about him. He is quite strong, and I'm yeah. just wondering, maybe for the Dundee game, if we got him up front, you know, he could be someone to really kind of get in about, you know, Josh Meekins and he Forster. Played, he has played up in a one as well. He played up front in his own in the Premier League, mm-hmm. yeah, for mm-hmm. us, yeah, and held the ball up very well. Yeah. Well, here's here's a thought. How about Doran as number ten, and Story wide right? I think Story was wasted wide right yeah. for Partick Thistle last season. Yeah. For Partick Thistle, he, though. Yeah. He's running the ball at a touch, down the touchline. He wasn't producing anything. Dora's not a winger anymore. It's sad to see he's not a winger. Yeah. He played, cut finally was played number ten. Yeah, slide roll pass through for the first goal. Yeah. He, well, is he not? What's what's he? That's that type of player. Tracker, so, tra- is that a tracker. Mitch Salah. No, no I met Salah. No, I, I don't think he's quite that. Possibly though, the signing of Mitch Curry would have allowed um, Robbo to deploy. And he's injured now. Yeah. And he's injured yeah. now. So yeah, we're getting weeks. stuffed like that. You know, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, which is a shame. And I guess that's obviously why we brought Story in. Um, so it's a weird one, but we'll hope, hope it works out. Okay, nothing else about Dundee United. Um, well, by the end of the season, we will have played in Dundee uh, at least five times, probably six. So we will literally have played in Dundee more times than some United players did last season. Um, Yannick Lombea and Christoph Rabish. Nah, me neither. <laughs> For McDonald, I'm the castle, Inverness men, Weechies, Hustle, Jenny Heavers, CCTV, BT's Pizzas, Judas, Teddy, Farland Park, the Library, Spectrum Centre, Mulgy Story, Cali Thistle, the Golden Mile, Music Centre, Matalan. Okay, welcome back. We've signed six players now, with Miles Story laterally coming in, and on first impression, it looks like we have dodged a Danny Lopez and evaded a Robert Eagle. They've all made some sort of impact in the first few games, but who have we most been impressed with and why? James Keatings. Yeah, I suppose he's made an impact, but it's quite telling that we've not mentioned him yet in this podcast until now, which means he's maybe not quite made the impact that we hoped he would. He's obviously a player, I mean, he's tested at this level, and um, what he's very good at is picking the ball up and kind of maybe gliding in front of a player and trying to create a chance for himself. But actually, is that working for us? You know, can he be... Is he able to adapt to play the ten role, the kind of Paulworth role that we, you know, we I think we're badly missing at the moment? Because mm. at the moment, playing as a second striker off white, I don't think is working at the moment. Mm. Um, and I think unless we've got a very good box to box player, then for all his talent, he's not going to contribute enough to games. No, bang on. Do you not think he's coming in a bit too deep? That's my my analysis. Is he's, he's dropping back far too deep for it? He starts well, but he fades away very well, quickly. He's not, well, he's not fit. He said he's not had pre season in two years. 
He's played him at a lot of games for us, though, so far. But I noticed that last weekend he dips away very quickly and well, goes high to low. The thing is, as you say, if he's coming in deep, that's fine if he's coming in deep to open up play and to bring mm. others into it. But if he's coming in deep in order to create chances for himself and to play as a striker, then, yeah, that is a problem. Yeah, yeah, it's maybe the lack of the 10. Yeah. I think what's been interesting is that we, we discussed in the last pod that we thought maybe this we might see a change of formation this season um, with Keaton's coming and maybe having Keaton's and White playing up front but it's not been like that at all he has been playing behind White trying to you know, feed off the knockdowns um, from the long balls up to to, to White um, one thing I will say that I've been impressed with is his set pieces have been quite good uh, yeah, he's been taking, he's been taking some, um, some some good corners for us some good free kicks so um, I, I think yeah, as, as, as Riley says yeah, he doesn't seem to be fully fit um, it looks like he does seem to be carrying a little bit of holiday weight to be fair he's probably still in better shape than myself um, but I'm, I'm, I'm still hopeful that he is going to come good for us um, I've been, I've been yeah. encouraged you know by some of the stuff I've seen so far yeah, he takes a shot he likes a shot yeah. he takes the shots off he's, yeah. not, he's not Charlie Christie he's not going to dribble the ball well, the, 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 the last player I can think of that I'm, I remember who's quite eager to get a quick shot in is, is uh, for us is Miles Story. Uh, you just think back to the goal he scored against Hearts in his debut. He just basically got a little yeah. bit of space and cra- cracked the shot in. Keaton's did try to do something similar against Dundee United on Saturday. Worked a little bit of space and quickly fired a shot in. It came, I think, keeper saved or was it off the post? No, it, well, it, was, the post. it was a cross came off the post. Yeah. Aye, it was yeah. such very unlucky. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think so, it reminds Doug Emery a little bit controversial, but the way he's on the ball is like Doug Emery. He, he, he does. He's like, more he does. handsome than Doug Emery. You know, you've already said like he's fat, and now you've said he looks like Doug Emery. You know, fat selfish and looks like Doug Emery. He's going to kill himself. How's Paisy Mavernesh look out now? Do you mean he scored one of the best free kicks I've ever seen at Tynecastle? Yeah, I yeah. remember that. Yeah. But no, that was a good one. Okay, David Carson. Uh, Robo has gone on record as saying that David Carson could grow into a, a fan's favourite. Go for him off. I'm, yeah. n- I'm not sure. He's your best player. I'm not sure what fan at the moment. Um, he has obviously been deployed at right back. It's not his position. He said he's happy to play anywhere for the team. Of course, he's just come from the evil stick. Uh, second division or wherever he's come from but he's a central midfielder he needs to play central midfield needs must because the two right backs are both injured at the moment but um, he's not good enough to play right back he's not good enough to play right back in this league against the opposition we're going to be facing if we want to try and get to the playoff spots yeah I, I mentioned earlier against Peterhead he, he did he, he looked okay going forward to be fair to him but he did seem to get caught out defensively he did seem to kind of lose his man um, and it happened against um, Wraith Rovers as well Um as you say, he's not playing in his normal position or or the position he's probably most effective at. Um, and so that's probably not helping um, a, a relatively disjointed um, backline for us at this moment well, in time. Just like Riley said, he's he's another player that's going to benefit from Sean Welsh coming back. Yeah. He, he will improve. Yeah. He's another player that will improve if he's playing alongside Sean Welsh. Yeah. yeah, and also having faced, or he will improve once he's faced all the players of the different teams, you know, one, step, one time around. I mean, it is a big yeah, step up, you know is. what I mean? And yeah. that familiarity is something that most of our players probably do have. He likes to tackle, he gets stuck in. I yeah. think he will be, he could be a fan's favourite, but just like a few of the players at the moment, he needs to find his feet. Yeah. Um, he looks like Chesney from Coronation Street as well. Yeah. Does he? Yeah, <laughs> Chesney. That's his name in the dressing room. Yeah. I think, I think he'll do all right. I, mm. I agree with what you're saying. He's out of position. Uh, why we brought on it right back on Saturday when we'd Kevin McHatt in the bench, we... I'll never know. That's very true, actually. You could play to Marco, yeah. right back, McHatty left back, but yeah. I think we're a bit harsh on the boy. He, he, he was ropey, but yeah. I, I like yeah. him back in the world. Yeah. So. Okay, uh, Nikolai Todorov, the assassin. Bon I'm going to keep calling him that. Uh, three goals, I think, so far. Uh, powerful, uh, showed he's a good option off the bench. Does he, does he deserve some starts? Uh, you can maybe argue so. Um, White, White's been okay. 
Um, he's why it's not the most prolific striker anyway. I don't have any reason to suggest that Todorov's going to be either. But uh, he came on against Wraith, and you know, um, you know, he looked relatively useful then. He didn't really do too much in an attacking sense against Peterhead. Uh, by that point, we were I think, just desperate trying to kill the game off and try and get a vital winning goal. And it was long balls up to to White and Todorov, but the two just didn't really seem to click at all. Um, he, he did offer something defensively. You know, he, he was able to clear a few um, Peterhead attacks and stuff. But uh, no, I, I, at the I think White's probably still just about our first choice striker. I think he's a unit todder off. I think yeah. he's a unit. He, I mean, he comes, he comes flying through the air. You know, yeah. he really attacks the ball. Yeah. I, he's I, more direct than, than White. Yeah. Far more direct. I, I think. I say. I think White's still our first choice striker for now. Yeah. But I would imagine before long it could well be. And and it depends if White's still here with rumours of a uh, you know St. Mirren apparently um, being in for him. Uh, you know, it could well be we see Todd off more often uh, before long. Well, we were at Hearts, and uh, I think it was at Aberdeen and the, the friendly. They put uh, Todorov at centre half. Please never do that in the league match. <laughs> uh, I think he half ended the boy, and then against Hearts in that uh, Angus Beath game, he was all over the place at centre half. So apparently he can play centre half, but yeah. please stay up front and uh, don't go back to centre half. Okay, uh, James Vincent, uh, immediate immediate improvement on Charver, Chalmers. You would suggest um, looks for a forward pass. Doesn't doesn't have the support of everybody in the in the in the fan base, but um, yeah. Yeah, I think I think a few of our fans, and it's, it's fair enough, um, aren't overly enamoured with uh, continuously looking back to uh, uh, you know back in time to bring former players back in. I think that's a you know perfectly acceptable uh, attitude to have. Um, I I was quite excited about Vincent coming back. I think he's a neat and tidy player um, for us. I don't think uh, you know as we mentioned earlier. I think because of um, Vincent and Trafford doing you know roughly the same kind of thing for us. I don't think we've really seen. The best of them, that the you know Trafford and Vincent seem to clash. I think our strongest midfield too will be Vincent and uh, Welsh. I but think that, that, I think that's yeah, when we'll see the best. That, but that brings us on nicely to you're talking about players coming back. People are enamoured with players coming back. Uh, I think that we're looking to do that because these guys have already been at Inverness. They've already been here. They've already moved up to the Highlands. You're not having to sell the club to some new player. You don't have to explain what the training yep. situation is, where they train. You're not having to explain what the what the crack is in the dressing room, how the manager wants you to play. Yeah, these guys are they're they're relatively easy signing in terms of not selling the club, but they're also good players, and they've also got they've also got something to prove, which brings us on to the next player, Miles Story. Touching what you just said about there, Vincent. For me, how Debbie never got pregnant that night after the Scottish Cup final, I'll never know. Best best night of my life. But here's here's a question for you. How many players have succeeded coming back second time around? I, I'll, I'll name one. Tansy. Ba- no. Barry Wilson. So, Barry Wilson, for me, right. Tansy was better, but if you look at Dennis Wynas, gee, who else? Billy McKay, Vincent, Story. I'm, I'm a bit worried. I, ho- I hope they succeed. I'm fanboy of both of them, but how many players, when they come back the second time around, including managers, Brewster, have succeeded? Uh, just to pick up on the Tansy thing, Tansy was mediocre first time around and absolutely superb second time around, 2014-15, you know, he was excellent. Yeah, so, that, yeah. so I think when he came back, people kind of went, meh, you know, and he, he proved us all wrong. Um, my concern about Vincent, much as I think, as you say, he's a neat and tidy player, I want a dynamic player in there. I think we really need that, you know, because Welsh can't be trusted to do that. Now, I know they're in short supply, but do we need neat and tidy? Um the thing about more generally about players coming back, they should only come back if they actually fit 
I think what we need I mean I know the budget's limited and all that but I think that idea of prioritizing kind of squad building and understanding of the club over the t- tactics yep now I don't want to presume that sounds incredibly arrogant of me to presume that but that's what Robbo's doing I like the fact by the way that he brought back Tokley and Wilson into the backroom team I think it's really important to bring back players uh, sorry um coaches and yep. staff like that who know what the club's about because that identity was lost under Foden but I think actually in terms of players that's maybe a less successful route you know mm. we'll see you know yeah in, in terms of you know it's a good point maybe about having a more kind of dynamic um kind of ball busting go-getting midfielder we mentioned him already what about Rory McGregor you know bringing some of the young guys into the team um you know what about giving them a shot I, sorry no disrespect meant to our both but could, could this be a good time to try it Ronnie McGregor starting from the off on Saturday. Well, but where is Vincent's best position though? I mean, we signed him, and I, I remember. I think he missed a penalty, didn't he, when he first signed? And it was, it was number ten, wasn't it? He was attacking midfielder. He was a ten, yeah. yeah. And he's now moved back. He was right back in the cup final when he came on. That's where we yeah. played him. But where's his position? I, I don't know. Well, I don't know. It wasn't that clear where his position was at all no, against Dundee. You know, for example, I thought him and Trafford looked like they were running into each other early on. You'd have assumed that Trafford sat and Vincent kind of was more box to box and driving forward more. Yeah. Actually, Trafford seemed to be chasing everything like a dog chasing a bit. Of, and Vincent know, sat back. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, Vincent kind of I think wasn't quite sure. Yeah. You know, so I think there needed to be a bit more uh, definition of those roles, or maybe it's just a Trafford yeah. kind Pos- of positivity. Ro- Roddy McGregor. Um, I've heard him described as. Um, Christie-esque in some of his cameos um, he's got a lovely return on the ball he can he gets a wee cry from tight areas he's impressed me he's come off the bench in the league in the league cup group games yeah I mean I obviously picked out um, McGregor's forward ball so you know those, those uh, sorry passes that had that ability to split the defence and set someone free as being similar to what Christie first caught the eye doing yeah. for So we know that Christie is now a much more rounded player you know but it's that sort of vision and it's that sort of confidence when he came on last season against um, South. in the South do you remember that three, and that let, let's three, face um, it that was not even a game in which um, you know we were flying you know we, we had clawed herself back oh. you know and he came through and he absolutely drove at their defence and they were panicking and that's really encouraging to see you know as you see he kind of turns and he runs at people mm. we're badly badly missing that at the moment yeah. you know it's just that I think the danger is that if you talk about blooding young players and then expect them to be able to carry the load then you're just damaging them too early there's people in CTO at the moment saying you know get rid of all these guys they've been garbage let's put three or four of the young boys in and let's see what they can do and it's like you know these guys might have all the talent in the world well, you don't but, wear anything with kids <laughs> well yeah <laughs> Yes, thank you, Alan. Um, but you know, you also don't want to, you know, you've got to drip feed them in, haven't you? You, you know, because you know, you've got them in for two games, and then someone will say, "No, no, but don't show you doesn't know what he's doing." You know, you know, so, so the guy can't win. So I think yeah. if I was going to put anyone in at the moment, it would be McGregor for um, a bit of a change of you know creativity, or. Harper at left back because we're badly missing someone at left back but you don't throw three or four of them in in one game no uh, way true we, we, we mentioned earlier you know, Met Salah position maybe McGregor could be the, the Met Salah for Inverness he, he kind of reminds me a little bit of you know Richie Hart to some extent you know quite an offensive minded um, midfielder um, I, I'm, I'm encouraged by what I've seen so far albeit limited uh, I'm, I'm really excited by the guy and I'd like to see him get a lot more game time Kudos for you for getting Richie Hart and offence into the same sentence by the way well done yeah. um, Matias Machado um, I think there was there was a rumour he could go on loan but I, I can't see that happening um, is he going to feature? I hope so he's a player what a name yeah I know cracking haircut as well we need that for a minute that's a t-shirt yeah. sale right there isn't it you know, it's, it's Mach- Machado Machado yeah Machado, Machado. Yeah, no, I think so. I mean, you know, if it, he's a player that obviously, as confidence has ability, you don't want to like punt him out, you know, uh, when 
with a squad our size, we could be losing players. I mean, you're not saying that you make him and McGregor you know, regular starters and build the team around them by any means at all, but he's an option. Where's he going to you know? play? McGregor can come on and play anywhere in that midfield and attacking areas, but where's, where's Machado? Does he same, come on left-right left, left right midfield? Same, I think he can play across the front. Yeah, yeah he's, he's both, well, what, what I've seen, he's both-footed as well, so... That's the thing, I mean, it's a similar type of player, but that doesn't mean that you can't, you know, try one or either of them, you know? It's, it's like, give one a go, give another a go, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? It's, no, a, yeah. it's, a, it's an option. We're not saying that these guys are necessarily going to be starters, but they're options. Yeah, you know? we've, got, yeah. we've got Cameron Harper in the squads as well yeah. um, left back obviously Tremarc was in front of him you would argue that McHattie's in front of him as well we're going to see him this season no no no. Okay. I don't think so highly rated by the coaches apparently mm-hmm. no, I think I think you're right there he should be ahead of McHattie but I think like full backs Tremarc was playing every week I mean, yeah. unless he's injured he plays every week McHattie comes in where's Harper going to fit yeah. it, might be, it might be new Moff actually was saying that when you saw him pre-season I was certain certainly someone said that of all of these young players he's the one that looks like a man and the rest look like boys yeah. the boy Ryan Fife looked a player um, who's went to Fort William we'll talk about that later yeah. but yeah. he looked big yeah I would say that if we have a good season then we will see Harper and if we have a bad season then we won't see Harper Really? Because yeah. I don't think you could put a young player in a position where we'd be struggling at the bottom of the league. But if we were going towards the top of the league, or we were going towards the playoffs, and you might see him off the bench yeah, for some appearances. Actually, manager might keep him in cotton wool a little bit. A bit far I, forward, a good, though, as a, as a sort of wing yeah. back. Maybe a good, a good example of that. I mean, you know, managers will do that. I mean, one of the great examples of that was when we were in the middle of some horrible, like eleven in a row um, losing run under Brewster a second time, when only Gretna kept us up. Um, Ian Vigers made, I think, his first start for the club right. against Kilmarnock four 0 and we got we lost four 0 away, and that was a, a real kind of last throw of the dice type move. Brewster going, this guy's obviously a player. I'll throw him in there. He'll save my season, and he looked completely lost, you know. And we were utter shit, <laughs> you know. Um, a beautiful spring day. I was in a really positive mood, you know, because I just managed to escape my mother-in-law's, and then I went and I sat through that, and my heart just sank. But I remember Vigers looking completely lost there. So the idea that a young player can turn it round. Is it's too much? It's not fair on them. Yeah. Okay. Um, the Fort William nine. Uh, I was going to say if they keep getting beaten six 0 every week, then they'll feel more like the Birmingham six. Uh, but then <laughs> they went. Then they went one a game. Uh, so that was apparently in no small part due to the goalkeeper Martin McKinnon goals from Donald Morrison and a screamer from from Jack Brown. I've seen that on Twitter. Um, some people have said that sending nine players to the to a Highland League club after we were denied a, a coach team in the Highland League is is unfair. Personally, I don't think so. I think Fort William needed they needed help. Our players need to play football. Um, the Fort couldn't compete with the likes of Broda and that, but even with our players, but they can compete with these guys with the likes of Lossie, Clark, maybe Keith, Stras Bay, mm-hmm. Andrew. Yeah, I, was gonna, I mean, from an ICT perspective, um, I think it'll be good for your young players. Our young players, they're probably more talented than the majority of the players playing in the Highland League, you know, but they'll be toughened up. They'll get a chance to play proper competitive football in a total manner, in all manner of conditions. I also don't have any strong opinion on the ethics of the whole thing. Um, you know, I think people have kind of talked about how it's unfair. The Highland League's pretty uneven anyway. There seem to be various individuals in the north of Scotland throwing money in, you know, mm, people yeah. have maybe implied money laundering and stuff like that. The one thing... Implied, implied. Implied money Very laundering. I mean, implied. you know, we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't say that at all, um, you know, obviously, or paint pictures of ourselves um, with the League Cup. Um, the one thing, actually, that I wonder about is how 
Fort William supporters themselves would feel about it in the long term. In the short term, they're obviously going to get a boost from the fact that our uh, young players have got them their first one in ages. In the long term, can they identify with these players? And how about the squad members? There was a boy in the Fort documentary, that really good BBC documentary, who has yeah, travelled for, for the last... He follows me on Twitter now, Scott Hunter. So is that right? Yeah, well, no, no, this is the other yeah. boy you're referring to. No, from, the boy, the boy that's travelled from Edinburgh yeah. like, for the past yeah. nine oh, years, yeah. up and down three times a week. If he suddenly gets punted for like uh, some 16-year-old from Inverness, you know, when he's done that... How do players like that feel? Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So I feel a little bit sorry for those guys. Now, I think I they've got a shinty divide there, haven't they? They're losing a lot of players to the shinty team. Yeah, and they do. I, I don't think they've got a lot of players to pick from. So I know that's there's 10, 15 bodies that. there that aren't playing. That you want just to play. think, if suddenly if the nine of them disappear and they're left with uh, a real difficulty recruiting mm-hmm. or it's just another turnover of our players, does it take the heart out of the club even yeah. more? I don't. Well, it's, it's not the first time yeah. that they've we've put players on loan to high league teams. It's not the first time we've put players on loan to... Fort William, um, when Fort William weren't finishing bottom in the league, I think in 14-15 they finished 13th or something. It was about um, 12 clear points away from bottom spot. Um, they had a, a young centre-half called David Moffat playing and they actually got a... They got <laughs> out, heard, they, heard he was a player. They got yeah. a win in the Scottish Cup down at Preston, which is the only time. There was a number of Cali players in the squad then as well. So we have done it before, we yeah, just haven't sure. done it with, with nine. And I don't think... I don't think you'll see a time where they'll start all nine of them. No, I don't think they'll start all nine more, of the team. I think seven or eight started the other night. Um, mm. Most of them are starting, but that, I think they'll start a... Let's be a precedent. I think there'll be more clubs doing this because it's a little loophole, isn't it? You mm. could see County doing it, you could see other teams doing it, yeah. but um, it's a win-win, I think. I think wins for us. Yeah, it's uh, only positive for, for, for both teams. It. And what, what else is uh, positive is uh, new kits, fresh new football strips to wear... When you're watching the football this season, um, these players, these young players, these these new players will all be sporting the brand new kits. One lesser spotted Sampdoria-esque 25th anniversary number, uh, which is now out, obviously. Uh, and one divisive new home shirt reminiscent of the 12-14 home kit, I think. Yep. Um, the new home shirt has been described as uninspiring. It's also been described as beautiful. It's prompted comments such as, should be stripes, too much blue, and looks like the upholstery of a megabus seat. Um, Riley, you're more Carl Lager drinker than Carl Lagerfeld. What do you think? Well, I don't buy home shirts or any shirts now because they look like bloody boob tubes when I put them on. Um, <laughs> I, as an ex-Cali fan, I'm I'm happy with the, the amount of blue that's in the home shirt, mm. but I think as a club, we've got it's controversial. Go, no, no, but not. But hear me out. I think we've got to go back to stripes. We've got, we've got that. That's our identity. Yeah. Uh, clubs. Yeah, less red than blue, but I think we've always got to have stripes. That's 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 our identity. We we've had stripes in less than half of our seasons in the Scottish League. I know, and and, and it's great. It's a Cali yeah. fan, but for the little teams that are nice, the Thistle fans, we have got to give them a little bit more red, a bit more red. I think so. Yeah, I I quite like the home top. I mean, the, the size of the sponsors logo is ridiculous, though. I don't know. It's if that's, out, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's um, it seems about three times bigger or something than mm-hmm. last year's one. I, I don't mind it. It's not that bad. I must admit, I, I know you're really positive about a lot of things, Moff, but I'm not a massive fan of this anniversary top. I personally think it looks a bit, it looks a bit cheap. To be honest to victory, me. remember that? I love it. Yeah, I, love pers- I personally yeah. love it. It is exactly the same as the Sampdoria away shirt from two years ago, I believe. Um, I, I really I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure about the badge, but I can understand why they've done it. It's silver, 25th anniversary. Um, but the, in terms of the in terms of the home kit, I think possibly a missed opportunity there in terms of maybe recreating a top we've had in the past or producing something that yeah you're yeah. right did does sort of um, take the history of of both both clubs into into consideration. Um, quite surprising because Area have actually put out um, some great kits this season. If anyone wants to see the sort of op- 
Yeah, you sort of templates online. Yeah, the sort of options mm-hmm. that we could that we could have had. If you go online, you can check out Norwich Away, which is divisive, but it's it's ridiculous. Um, a lot of colour in it. Pescara Away, that's a fantastic shirt as well. Rochdale Home and Away are both brilliant area kits. And there's actually a Parma kit also made by Area. It has a big cross down the middle. Now that could quite easily have been a blue a blue shirt for us with a red cross down the middle, and that that would have been a really good. A really good thing to do for the 25th anniversary. So it's quite surprising that we got the the template that we did. But before we sat down today, I think we all thought about you know what was the fav- our favourite kits that we've had over the years. Uh, who wants to kick off? I'll go first. Uh, circa two three two four was, I think it was ourselves and Man United were the only two um, clubs, especially in UK, that sharp as sponsors. So I had a. A little uh, phrase in the back of my shirt said, I really, number eight, Ross County. And uh, for a grown man to have uh, num- names and numbers in the back, it's absolutely atrocious. But for me, uh, I really ate number eight, Ross County, was my little uh, point. I think my favourite one was, uh, I'm a big fan of the, the current Black Away top. Um, and I like the Black Away top from the 2008-9 season. Uh, I think probably the, the highlight of that season, given that we were relegated, um, there probably not much to choose from. But I remember... Um, uh, was it David Proctor? I think getting fouled by David Weir in the in the box at Ibrox, and uh, Ian Black stepped up to, to score a late penalty um, in that game with with that strip. Unfortunately, I wasn't there. I was uh, from my sins delivering pizzas uh, in Aberdeen. But when I listened to the radio and that goal went in, I was kind of driving down the, the streets, blasting my horn in celebration. Mm. Good times. <clears throat> yeah, controversially, I'm going for the 2000 to 2002 home kit. We had it for two seasons, and it was the only one that had more red in it than any other ICP shirt. It meant it was supposed to have vertical stripes, but because of the kind of sponsors bar, it actually looked like there was a big blue H across it, right. or like the players were wearing sort of lederhosen or something. I mean, it, actually, it looked like total shit, but... Um, <laughs> I associate it with our most unpredictable, exciting sort of Pelly-esque phase. That's the phase that um, we follow a 5-2 win against Wraith Rovers three days later with a 6-0 defeat at Airdrie. We lose 5-1 in the League Cup quarterfinal against Air United. Russ, to- Russ totally gets sent off and gets told to walk home from air by Pelly Patterson. Two months later, in that same shirt, he is scoring the first goal in one of our greatest ever wins at uh, Hearts um, 3-1 in the Scottish Cup. You know. So it was the shirt of extremes. Ah, Pelly. <laughs> Uh, my choice is the uh, 0203 blue number with a white collar and the and the red down the side, simply because uh, it reminds me it reminds uh, reminds me of a few of us getting the train down for the game at Clyde. Uh, we walked into the old Croy Tavern, which burnt down in some. Um, mysterious circumstances some years later but we're all bedecked in this very very royal blue kit only to find 50 Celtic fans watching the old firm game it was like a scene in a western where the piano player stops playing and everyone turns and stares and if anyone remembers the Croy Tavern they had Buckfast on the optics so I can't really remember what happened after that but we might have won the league and Stevie Hislop burst the ball good times <laughs> where do you want to drink well 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 Okay, looking forward, let's uh, let's now cast an eye upon the month of August, originally named Sextilis in Latin because it was a six-month in the original ten-month Roman calendar. It was renamed in honour of Augustus, choosing this month because it was the time of several of his great triumphs. Will we be triumphant in August? Um. Disclaimer, disclaimer. If you're listening to this after the Arbroath game on the 10th, then just skip through the next couple of minutes uh, so you'll be blissfully unaware of the inaccuracy of our predictions. So Arbroath, um, uh, opening day last week, they drew 0-0 with, uh, with Queens. They beat Sterling 6-1, beat Elgin 2-1, lost 3-0 to Hibs, lost 3-2 to 
Aloha. My one prediction is that Bobby Lynn's going to score against us on the basis that none of us remembered his name on the first podcast. Yeah, well, I mean, we were just talking about the 25th anniversary. Sure, it's quite fitting that we play our both this weekend, given that it's pretty much 25 years to the day since we had our first ever uh, home league game. Um, when we started in 94-95 and that was against uh, Arbroath uh, hat-trick from the late Alan Hertcher uh, so I kind of run out 5-2 winners uh, the last time we played them someone else bagged the hat-trick does anyone remember who that might be? One of the fans, no? <laughs> <laughs> Scott Bowden remember him? Oh Jesus he won't, he scored Oh yeah, yeah he scored a hat-trick yeah. yeah we played them in the League Cup at home didn't we? Were so, those yeah. the only goals he ever scored for? Uh, quite possibly mm-hmm. but yeah I suspect he will uh, not be remembered as uh, long as, um, as Alan Hertcher um, I mean we, we we mentioned Bobby Lynn. He's probably going to be their their, their kind of their, their main uh, attacking threat. Um, our both by all accounts tend to line up as a kind of a four four two set up. Um, and 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 Lynn's, um, you know, been a big feature for them. Presumably powered by the excessive amounts of uh, Yazoo milkshakes that Ryan McCord now Brechin uh, used to buy him. Um, so much so that Lynn actually thought uh, McCord had a crush on him. Um, which oh, is a bit strange. <laughs> uh, short and sweet. If we don't beat our both, I'm throwing my scarf in the bin. I need to find it first. But um, yeah. I think their their performance last week, first game at home, just been promoted. It's a good point, but if we don't beat them at home, I'll be uh, disappointed. Yeah, I mean, basically because they are not going to have the same quality throughout the team as Dundee United, and that's not to belittle them. That just won't be the case. So Mm. we will have better opportunity and our players should be in that position where they want to prove themselves to be better players. This is why I don't think we should make too many changes, you know, one or two at most, you know, rather than changing it all, this is the opportunity for players who are supposed to be the mainstays of Robbo's team to go in and prove that they are actually up to the job. So... Yeah, I mean, we, we certainly shouldn't underestimate them, and I think one player to me keep an eye on is uh, is Greg Spence. Um, he's got a good scoring record at League One level with Wraith, Aloha and Karen Beath. Um, he's not been so prolific in the Championship, but given how um, slack our defence has been, uh, he could be someone who could take advantage of that. Okay, Dundee. Uh, we obviously played them already. They had four clean sheets in the uh, in the League Cup. Uh, Bobby Mann, big Dundee fan. He's had a listen to the podcast. He's not happy with our analysis of Dundee's chances. Discuss Riley. Bobby, I'm sorry, but um, I hope we pump your team in a couple of weeks' time. But uh, I, I, I think I think Dundee will do a lot better than what I thought at first. Um, I'm not a fan of McPake. He reminds me a little bit of Foran's appointment for us. Cheap option. I think Strachan's appointment is a bit weird as well. But, yeah, I think they'll do all right this season. Yeah, I mean, I, I said that in jesting, kind of a surprise of the season that Dundee might go down. I, I don't think they really will, but I expect it to be challenging. It just would be for you know banter purposes. But what a signing today for them! Kane Hemmings getting him back. Great signing uh, today. See can score goals. Yeah, at, at this level as See well, guys. you know, he was he was prolific in the Premiership. I mean, God knows what he's going to do in the Championship. But uh, as I said earlier, I, I'd maybe advocate maybe putting Story up front for this one. We saw the Dundee centre backs crumble against uh, Dunfermline, so may, maybe a bit of pressure from someone like Story could. Uh, get similar results for us yeah that's basically what I was going to say even if we don't pick anything up we have to compete a lot better than we did against the League Cup game and the Dunfermline game showed that they seem to struggle with the high press so someone like Story may be fine but basically everyone needs to be on someone and stopping them playing and starting to dictate play uh, Morton at home uh, they lost 4-2 away to A in the first league game of the season they also lost 4-0 to Motherwell beat Dumbarton 6-1 they, did, they have had 8 different scorers already this season and Hopkins knows how to get out of this league. Uh, I'm not sure how they got beat 4-2, but uh, interesting or not, he's got a fitness coach in as his assistant. So he's obviously banking on their fitness being a big big deal as it was when he was Livingston manager. So I think it's a Friday night game. This has been moved for TV, hasn't it? Yes, yes, it has. I'll be uh, be watching it in Las Vegas, so I couldn't care less. So... um, (laughs) 
Disgust, guys. Presumably they'll be showing it on the big screens, you know, in Caesar's Palace and stuff like that, though, you know. Well, I'll be, um, on, the, I'll be on the bar, licking the bar, but yeah, I'll try and watch it. Yeah. Um, I, I won't pretend to know a great deal about um, how they've lined up so far, apart from the fact that they've been very, very inconsistent between the kind of um, League Cup games and then that... Um, the defeat against um, Air United but one thing to also say is that we tended to look good against David Hopkins Livy when other teams really struggled about that and I don't know if that's because he played a pretty sort of direct game mm-hmm. rather than yeah. um, you know I think a lot of our players struggle with um, pace through the midfield whereas actually we can maybe kind of compete better with that you know trying to win balls we've got big defenders you know They've got so, Peter Grant, who scored a winner. Uh, scored a winner. Sorry, scored a goal against us in the Scottish Cup final. Who's apparently yeah, also who's, who's apparently also ruined by yeah. injury, though. And also know, John so. Sutton, who's about forty-five now. So. Yeah. Uh, just in the point of how Morton line up, based on how they lined up against the United, um, you know, set with another kind of three-five-two, which does seem to be becoming more popular again now. So again, may, maybe seeing how, uh, how maybe Story or, or whoever does play up front against uh, Dundee the week before with their three centre backs, if that's how they go, maybe we can um, take that into the game against Morton the following week and hopefully get a similarly good result. Okay, uh, we're almost done. Uh, like like Tarmo Kink always ends on a high, always end on a high note. Be like Tarmo. Ingress, what the hell? How you doing? No water cell for shitty weather, trucks and business. Inverness is a fucking business. Okay, before we wind this up, we're determined to end on a high. So away games, a new feature uh, I've decided should be called Blind Away Date. So everyone's looking at a fixture list, planning on what away games they can go to, in Sub's case, all of them. So from <laughs> from the medieval sewage draining system of Somerset Park and the dodgems of Arbroath's Pleasureland, as a well-travelled bunch, if you could recommend one away game for a supporter to go to this season, what would it be and why? And that question to number one, Andrew from Crown. Obviously, it's Pleasure Land and Gayfield Arbroath. And I'm not just speaking for myself here, but also for Ross McKenzie, who is maybe sitting by the Aegean at the moment, but would far rather be standing on a crumbling terrace overlooking the North Sea in the teeth of a Force 10 gale. I mean, it's a cliche to say that Arbroath is Scottish football in the raw, but it is. There's an excellent old school pub called Tutty's Nuke that's so close to the ground that it's partly part practically part of it it's maybe got the coldest climate in scotland but it provides the warmest welcome it's the only place i've ever been where a friend has come up forgotten to take his carry out out of the backpack that he was carrying for some reason and the guy behind the turnstile said all right son we'll just keep that for you You can collect it at the end of the game and um (laughs) did he get it he he got it as well yeah I, i should maybe point out to any listeners that um i can't guarantee that our both are going to provide a crash for their carry outs you know this season but they certainly did in 2002-03 and obviously the best thing is that this tantalising prospect of Dick Campbell utterly losing his shit over a bad decision <laughs> and punting the linesman straight over the wall and into the North Sea. Uh, well, Moff, if you were to pick me uh, on, a, on a date, um, I, 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 would, I would take you to um, to Capolo and take you to an Inverness Cali Thistle uh, versus Morton game. Uh, take you along to Glasgow and then we'll head for the train down to um, <laughs> down to Greenock. Uh, we'll enjoy a few lovely cams as we uh, take in the... Uh, the coast of the Clyde and um, marvel at the scenery of West Dunbartonshire on the opposite side of the water um, and then you know just enjoy the, the ambiance of the post-industrial wasteland that is Port Glasgow um, does sound appealing yeah well, I'll have a couple of nice cheap pints the Norseman although it has been ruined by minimum pricing uh, before that we could get four pints for about eight pounds uh, and then just a, a proper old school stand to enjoy a, a lovely romantic evening uh, I'm already sick of this place but uh, Dundee for me so two birds one stone Great boozer, trades, uh, a little hipster bar for people like me that like uh, overpriced beers with yeah. fancy names, and also the chance Yuck. to uh, have a beer with uh, probably our most famous listener, Mr. Bobby Mann, who oh, frequents yeah. and uh, 
has a beer with the boys. So yeah, Dundee. Although by the end of this month, I'll uh, I'll never want to see the place again. <laughs> okay. Uh, all day, where near a town surpasses for honest men and money lasses. Now the accuracy of that line is um, is debatable, but what's not up for question is the air is a cracking away day. What's not to like the romantic home of the bar, the sandy beach seaside resort. Great pubs. Uh, I think I was in. I was in one years ago, and, and a guy walked in with a live seagull and a carrier bag. Uh, so you know you don't you don't get that every day. Uh, promise of goals galore. We won three two and three one in Burns Country in recent times. Yeah, and one nil as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, get yourselves down to air on the fifth of October. Just don't expect toilet facilities at Somerset Park that have improved since the time of Robert Burns. Um, so that is us for now. Uh, it's, it's goodbye from Riley. It's goodbye from Sav. Cheers. It's goodbye from Andrew. Goodbye. Uh, Again, we'd like to thank Sophie Robb for the artwork for our social media channels and the Steve Kelly for the use of his masterpiece as our theme tune. Um, We'd like to very much thank everybody who listened to the first episode and fed back with so many positive comments. We hope you've enjoyed this one. If you did, then we welcome your feedback. And if you didn't, then you're about as welcome as Ian Black at Craig Brewster's house. Um, we're all <laughs> off to we're all off to pray at the feet of a small hand-fashioned totem of Sean Welsh. Take care of yourself and each other. Bye for now. Yep, yep.